Let's pray. Gracious and eternal God, we are thankful to be here today. Lord, we um, love you. And as we spend some time in the text this morning, uh, taking a quick snapshot at the life of your servant Moses, um, we pray that your word speaks to us in a way that challenges us, uh, but that also encourages us. Lord, we love you. We adore you. The Lord, and so in this moment, the Lord, be my mouth, be my words, the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit take over. We lift these things up to your, in your son Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. As the text has already been read, I want to speak to you from this thought. Um, unqualified. Unqualified. I believe that by nature, we as people are in general uncomfortable with thinking about hard painful stuff. We go out of our way to avoid the pain that is right in front of us. Some people eat it away. If you're like me, you shop it away. Some people legally and illegally medicate it away. We go through great lengths to enjoy, to avoid pain, not enjoy pain. The problem is that when we go through all of these things to um, avoid pain, it doesn't really solve the issue. It usually just intensifies the issue and then intensifies what we have to do to get relief. And that if we could learn to submit ourselves to a season season of pain and a season of truth, I wonder what type of healing and growth we could experience. Unfortunately, too, the church is not exempt from that. And we often see it in the way that we teach and preach certain texts. We oftentimes try to avoid some of the difficult stuff and the difficult realities in the text that we come before us because we so want to grasp on to the love of Jesus Christ, which is ever present. But we want to hear about the promises. We often don't want to know about the process. And there's no other text, I think, that accentuates this more than the story of the life and the ministry of Moses. We like to focus on the fact that Moses was sent down the river floating and Pharaoh's daughter just so happened to be out on the riverbanks and pick him up. And we celebrate uh, what some think of as a beautiful adoption story. But as my brother Dominique Gilliard would tell you, this isn't your typical adoption story. The life and ministry of Moses was the story of a refugee who narrowly escaped genocide and survived because of the willingness of a few Hebrew women and the Pharaoh's daughter to disobey an unjust decree. To disobey the actions of a Pharaoh who was afraid of a once favored people. And when we allow ourselves to uh, accept the entire brutal, painful narrative, then and only then can we uh, experience the true power and blessing in the redemptive story that the life of Moses has to tell. Because seeing where Moses started makes it more beautiful to see where he ended up which can be the same story for us. How our story does not necessarily dictate where we end up. If that was the case, many of us would not be here today. And so where we start, where we see God moving to action, is in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, where it says, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. 
Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. My first thought is this. We see in the text that God is called into action because his people are in pain. His people are crying out to him, and he remembers that he promised to Abraham many years ago that his people, that he would be the descendant of a great nation who would eventually make it to a promised land. And in the midst of their pain and in the midst of their crying out, our ever-present God heard them and began to enact a plan. Brothers and sisters, my first thought is this. As a church, as the people who are called to be the vehicle of God in our world today, how do we respond when we hear the voices of people crying out? How do we respond when we live in a world that is riddled with pain, with broken marriages, with uh, all of the things that is happening around us in our communities and in our world? When we hear the groans of the people, how do we respond? Do we feel challenged and compelled to act? Or will we find comfort in our homes, in our churches, where we raise our hands? But do we raise our feet? And move our feet to be the very present tool and instrument of God in the world around us. When we hear the people groan, what do we do? We see in this text that the groans of the people in conjunction with the promises of God becomes a catalyst for his actions. And what is important to note is the vehicle by which God chooses to act. Because God is desiring to use us as vehicles to answer the cry of humanity. And like Moses, many of us have excuses as to why we can't be the answer that God is calling us to be. Many of us have insecurities and pain and past that keep us from being excited and and, and joyfully joining physically into the ministry that God has called us to. And so what I want to do today is take a brief glimpse into this conversation, this dialogue that happened between Moses and God, and maybe bring out some of the same challenges that we face in order to rid ourselves of the things that make us feel like we're unqualified so that we can be the church that we can be the vehicle that God has called us to be. The first thing you see in Exodus chapter 3, 11 is this. It says, now, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God says, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you. But let's go back to this. But Moses said to God, Who am I? God has called Moses into service. God has called Moses to be the vehicle by which the children of Israel are delivered from their pain. And when he calls Moses, Moses didn't say, yes, all right, God, I'm ready. Let's go. What Moses said was, who am I? 
You have to understand that Moses was struggling with so many things. He probably struggled with his refugee past. He probably struggled with what it meant to be an alien in the house of the Pharaoh and not necessarily filling in, but being Hebrew by nature, uh, but having some of the luxury that it had to have been in the house of the Pharaoh. And then if you continue to read the story, you know that one day Moses was out on a stroll and he saw one of the Egyptian uh, soldiers uh, being mean and beating his fellow Hebrew brother. And in an act of uh, heroism, he murders this Egyptian soldier, only to find out later to see two of his brothers fighting amongst themselves and being confused about what he was seeing. And in response, the brothers didn't say like, hey, thank you for taking care of that uh, soldier before. They said, are you going to murder me too? And so now Moses was not just dealing with his status as a refugee. He wasn't just dealing with his status as an alien. He was also dealing with his past as a murderer and then fleeing and becoming a fugitive. And so Moses, in this moment, when God was saying go, Moses was saying no. He was saying, no, God, how can you use me? I'm a refugee. God, how can you use me? I'm a murderer. God, how can you use me? I'm a fugitive. And God was saying, but I will be with you. Brothers and sisters, in a world that is filled with the need for qualifications, Sometimes it's hard for us to recognize that we are already gifted and talented and full of the things that we need to do the work that God is calling us to. I know it's hard to see that because you need to qualify for everything. You got to qualify for credit cards. That's my shopping problem. You got to... <laughs> You got to qualify for your job. You look at the job application and it has all of these lists of qualifications. You got to qualify for this. You got to qualify for that. And so it's not surprising to me that when it comes to doing the work of the Lord, that oftentimes we feel unqualified. But it's not because of the degrees that we don't have. It's because, God, how can you use me a sinner? God, how can you use me? I've been divorced. God, how can you use me? I had a kid out of wedlock. God, how can you use me? I'm not the nicest person in the world. God, how can you use me? I'm struggling with who I am. I don't even know who I am. How can you use me? And so many of us, when God is, uh, when the Holy Spirit is working inside of us and calling us and challenging us and urging us to do something in this world, we respond like Moses, who am I? Who am I? That question, who am I, keeps us from being the people that God has called us to be. That question, who am I, keeps us from being the church that God has called us to be. That question, who am I? And I wonder if we all sat down right now and took an inventory how long the list would be of the reasons why we can't do what it is God is calling us to do. We can come up with all type of excuses. But the reality of the fact is that God is calling his people, his church, to respond to the cries of the world around us. And then if you can make it past the question of who am I, if somehow you are able to survive the guilt of your past, if somehow you are able to get past feeling unqualified, unprepared, 
Then we have to deal with the next question that we find in Exodus chapter 4. He says, uh, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. The next thing we wrestle with is they won't believe me or will they receive me? Okay, God, I can accept that you've called me to do this thing. I can accept that you've called me into action. I can accept that you've called us into purpose, but it doesn't matter because they won't receive me the way that you sent me. Because the only thing that's worse than us beating up ourselves for the things that we've done and the mistakes that we made and the things that we've come from is other people doing it for us. Have you ever experienced a time or a place in your life when you've experienced healing, where you've done the work, when you started over, when you figured things out, you're on a new path, and the first thing that happens is somebody reminds you where you came from. Remember when you used to do, I remember when this happened. Like you, 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 you sure God is calling? Because... And so we don't have to get even further than our own personal pain because oftentimes we are met with the rejection of the people. And so as Moses was continuing to struggle with his call and he worked past his own insecurity and his own pain, then he started to think about, well, what will they say? Because unfortunately, people are quick to bring up our past mistakes. Sometimes people are quick to bring up mistakes and slow to forgive, and even though we are all in need of forgiveness and we want that forgiveness for ourselves, we are slow to extend that same grace to other folks. Quick to remind people where they came from. Always quick to remind people that they don't qualify or meet the standards. It's no wonder that so many of us are in a holding pattern. And it's no matter that so many of us aren't living it to our God-given potential because we have to deal with our own insecurities. And if we happen to make it past it, then we have to deal with the judgmental and the hypocrisy of the people around us. And so God is continuing to call and encourage Moses and tell him again, Moses, I will be with you. I have equipped you. I have called you. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. And it doesn't matter what they will say because I will give you everything that you need. Just depends on me. But then we get to verse 11. In verse 10, actually, and Moses says, he said, but Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Here's the first thing that I'll notice is that Moses on the low is really taking a shot at God. Okay, he says, I am not eloquent in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. Here is what Moses was really saying right here. He was saying, listen. I've never been eloquent. I've never had a way with words like that's not my thing. And ever since you called me and entered my life, that hasn't changed. (laughs) So he's he's saying to God, the same problems that I had before seem to still be present now that you're in my life. 
Yeah. Like, as, as you, I'm like, I'm like, for real, Moses? <laughs> this this what we doing right now? <laughs> and I don't know if it was that Moses, uh, he, he lacked the connectivity and history of who God was. But God had to say to Moses, he says, then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And so in other words, God gave Moses a gut check. He said, yeah, you are asking, who am I? I've made these mistakes. I've been here. I've done that. You're asking me, well, are they going to believe me? Lord, I can't talk. I'm slow of speech. I'm not the right person. Go find somebody else. And God finally says, but who am I? Who am I? See, brothers and sisters, one of the things that we struggle with or we struggle to understand is that when we are called as individuals, as the church, to do what it is that we are called to do, we're not doing it in our own power. We're sitting here giving excuses about why we're not doing what we're called because of our shortcomings. The whole time God is trying to say, but who am I? Because I will be with you. It is I that gave you your mouth. It is I that gives you the ability to speak. It is I that has given you the skills that you have. And so not only am I calling you, but I will be with you and I will use you. In other words, the thing that connect when we connect to God and when we are called to to do God's will, it will not erase our imperfections, but what it is calling us to do is to be in a relationship of trust with God so that he will fulfill all of our holes and our weaknesses and our blind spots. So being in a relationship with God doesn't make us perfect. We are perfect through him. We are able through him. We can do it through him. And so Moses is saying, listen, you can't be calling me because I still stutter. And God is saying, like, no, I got you. And you see God get upset. Says that God's anger was turned toward him. And he, and he finally said, okay, what about your brother Aaron? <laughs> Go, he already on his way. Because <laughs> God knows us. God, God, God knows. He already knew. So he, Aaron was already in the process because he, because God knew that this conversation was going to happen with Moses. But he still said, "Listen, he's only your mouthpiece. I'm gonna put the words in his mouth through you." We know that it didn't come easy and this is another series for another day but we see the eventual deliverance from the Egyptians in the hands of Pharaoh through God's tool and vessel Moses my question to you my challenge to you brothers and sisters is whose freedom is locked up in our disobedience Who, whose, whose cry is not being answered because we refuse to heed the call of the Lord? 
That there is a community, a city, a world that can be changed if we simply say yes. And as we continue to journey together in order to transform Naperville and Chicago and Illinois and the U.S. through the power of God, it starts with each and every person in this room saying yes to the call of God. One of the most powerful things that happens in this text is that when God gives Moses the signs to use, he says, what's that in your hand? And Moses drawing attention to this staff. A staff that no doubt probably helped him uh, walk in God's sheep. The staff that was already present when God called him. Brothers and sisters, you don't have to go get a certificate. You don't have to. The new, new training would be nice. But brothers and sisters, there's a staff in your hand. There's something that you already possess that God can use to help change the world. We're all unqualified. We will always not measure up. We can always be better. But God is not asking for us to be perfect. God is not asking for us to get better then. He's saying, do you trust me now? He's calling us, the church, the unqualified, to change the world. He's calling us to be the answers to the pain and the groans of the world around us. Will we respond? Let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we all sit here unqualified. We all sit here with past guilt and hurts and sufferings that keep us from fully leaning into the people that you have called us to be. But dear Lord, burden our hearts this morning in the way that make us ache for those around us who need to feel the power of the love of your son, Jesus Christ, to feel the helping hands and the advocacy of your church in order to break bonds, to break barriers, to break oppression, to be free, dear Lord. Let us be convicted by the thought and the memory that somebody's freedom is locked up in our willingness to be obedient to your call. Lord, we love you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.